we're looking for a space where we can put our tools down for a minute, where we can be seen, not seen like the personalities that we project out there, but really like without the masks, let ourselves be seen. A space where we feel safe enough to start sharing little by little what's going on, being seen by other men, being supported by other men, and being held accountable by other men. This is a nutrient missing. Welcome to Crazy Wisdom. I'm your host, Luke Antrop. Crazy Wisdom is our show about the wild, the unexpected and interesting places we find ourselves in during our quest to live a life of deeper meaning and deeper truth. My hope is with each conversation and each story, you discover a new part of yourself on your journey towards making the most out of this one wild and precious life. This is a Soulfire production. We have a treat for you this week. I am joined by Amir Kaligi. Amir is a men's work guide and a coach. His work with his organization, Embodied Masculine, is really just wonderful work. Welcome to the show, Amir. It's my pleasure to be here with you, my good friend. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you on this week's show. So, you know, I think maybe the best way to introduce you to this crazy wisdom community is for you to share with us your mission statement, which is, in my mind, one of the most kind of astonishing and uh, inspiring mission statements I've come across. Mm -hmm. Would you mind sharing why you're on the planet, Amir? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm here to bring 100 million men to the feet of the Great Mother. And, and that uniquely means something to me. Hmm. And maybe I can just flush that out a little bit and what that means. Yes. So for me, the, the great mother is the feminine expression of divinity. And it's something that around 2019, I really started to get in touch with and what that meant for me. What I became aware of was that this beautiful planet of ours was being misused, was being taken advantage of, was being really unconsciously destroyed um, in, many, in many ways. And that energy that brings this beautiful planet um, and sustains it, that runs through us intrinsically, that we're a part of, became the... <laughs> That's something greater than, than myself that I wanted to dedicate my life in repairing. It is repairing, it is bringing into awareness and consciousness what we are doing and how we are living as men. So um, bringing men to the feet of the Great Mother is nothing more than reminding men that they are intrinsically connected to this divine energy. Yeah, so it calls to mind this question I've been asking myself and others of late. The question is, how do we raise good men? And I think, you know, it's one of the most important questions we can ask and find answers for right now. Yeah. You know, when I, you, you and I have talked about this many times, when we look at the world around us, most of the major problems on the planet, it's the kind of unconscious, disconnected man is kind of at the the source of a lot of the major issues on this planet, or at least an unhealthy masculinity. And so the question is for me is like, how do we 
cultivate not just as fathers but as like stewards and as protectors of the great mother how do we create the conditions for growing good men i'm curious how you answer that question yeah well first and foremost we have to take responsibility for ourselves mm. right um and for even take responsibility for the toxicity that that exists in the collective from previous men who have done harm we we are actually the ones that are stewards of reconciliation of that charge but to answer your question our society does not uh, foster this uh, awareness of connection to something greater so traditionally um, historically initiations were designed to awaken that within an adolescent uh, awaken him to the fact that there's something greater than him at play and secondly invite him into a community of uh, other men who believed in that paradigm mm -hmm. right so what happens is boys uh, become men but their mentality and their way of life is really about serving the self and not serving something greater than the self so um, something uh, interesting uh, happens when you take a young boy that's a really impressionable around the age of 12, you pull him from, from his mother's bed in the middle of the night. So like, you know, the men would come in the middle of the night as a community and almost like take the boy in this tribe out of his mother's bed, right? The mother is wailing. She's like, no, don't take him. Immediately, the boy is confronted with this, this limitation of his, this limitation that something bigger than him is taking him away. Now, of course, the mother is in on this. She knows about initiations. You know, she probably knew it was coming. And then the boy is put through an ordeal. He's put through something really confronting. And he gets to meet a version of himself because of this challenge that he wasn't privy to. And once he overcomes this, and of course, you know, different traditions have different degrees of severity in this um, ceremony. Then he is reminded through a wound about what he has overcome and is brought into a fold of other men who have also gone through something similar. This introduces him to community. This introduces him to um, living for the greater collective good, not linear, I'm going to get whatever I want mentality that is kind of fostered in this capitalistic, uh, quote unquote, democracy. So it's a completely different paradigm. It is not so linear. It's, it's, it's not a straight line. It is a circle. Um, experience. Um, and that becomes, uh, you know, what he does with that and how he contributes to the community then become about, you know, how he comes in touch with his gifts and what he, you know, what is his role to play within this community. And that community could be, you know, a small village or it could be anything where it, it, there's, you know, a bigger unit is at play. It could be your family. It could be your men's group. And then decision-making starts to happen, not for the self, but for the greater good.
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, so this is the kind of concept of a transpersonal mission that it takes takes the focus off the self. In these these initiation rites of passage, there's an opportunity to develop a sensitivity where one can feel out beyond the self, right? Feel into those around us, feel into the community, feel into what needs to happen in the culture, in you know, in the larger sphere of of their their life. Yeah, I would I would say feel out and feel in because there's so much training that goes into feeling like, of course, feeling out is important, but the sensitivity, the sensitivities actually develop through going in the sensitivity to, let's say, a feminine partner, right? You know, one of the biggest complaints about the you know feminine to the masculine is he can't feel me. Well, he can't feel you because he can't feel himself, mm-hmm. right? And that's inner work. So developing the sensitivity for that inner landscape is also a big part of the component, which is something I work on in my community uh, with men. Yeah, right, right. So you're, you're laying out the, the kind of ideal path, right? Which is an initiation at adolescence from boyhood into manhood that breaks down the kind of myopic self-focused into a broader kind of transpersonal focus with a high level of, of self-awareness. Most of us didn't get that. Most of us aren't getting that, you know, and not all hope is lost, right? So this is where some of your work comes in. This is where some of my work comes in, where we can reintroduce these rites of passage at any phase of life. And of course, it's ideal at, at you know, adolescence. This is my whole, you know, I have this program, Wild Hearts, which is 10 to 12 year olds with their fathers. It's a, you know, it's kind of a pre-initiation in the way that you're describing where they're there with their dads and it's in the wilderness, right? Like we can, we can create these experiences where we are initiating them, but that isn't always possible. And so we can actually have these initiatory experiences at any phase in life, right? And so that's part of the work you do, correct? Like you're, you're working with men along the, at any age along the way to have this type of, of initiation. Yes. Yes. So, um, I actually don't work with teens. Um, I work with, you know, men that are, you know, potentially I'll, I'll let a 17 year old come into the space, but usually they're 18, 19 and 19 is the youngest kind of in our community right now. We, you know, that we have men all the way into their seventies, but you know, I have a four month program where we do that, but we don't, you know, we, it's the initiation is a culmination of four months of inner work. It's four months of, you know, like this is an adult whose, whose insides are filled with experiences, fears, resentments. I mean, his, his inner temple is full. So it takes four months of clearing a lot of that. Some of the shadows that are at play occurring worlds that are getting in the way. So the first thing that has to happen is that this temple body has to, it needs a cleansing. It needs a cleansing to even be able to pick up the, the scent of what it even means to be in relationship with the divine. I mean, such a, such a, a personal experience that's different for everybody, right? That, that inner relationship. But there is no chance for picking up the note if your attention is preoccupied because you're out of integrity in your life, you've screwed people over, you're constantly associating 
your being with what you're thinking. I mean, you know, there is an ex, there's an extraction that has to happen between your sense of self and your thinking. Obviously, you know, it, most of us know we are not our thoughts, but that extrapolating one's uh, identity from thinking, it takes, takes time. It's not something I can just say to somebody, be like, stop it, <laughs> mm-hmm. stop doing that. So, you know, they have to experience they have to experience that witness distance from the thinking. They have to fall. They have to literally have that experience. So a lot of work goes into this four month program. And then at the end, we'll go through a four day initiation in, in, in the wilderness. Right. Right on. Yeah. So it's a little bit, it, it, there's a lot more baggage to be um, unpacked, um, you know, as an adult. Yeah. I'm curious for you, how you answer this question. Why do men need to work with men? Those that are listening to the show, maybe women or, or just any human, may be curious, like, what's happening in a men's circle? And why are there just men there? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there, yeah. there's, there's actually a lot of cultural baggage around this idea of, of men kind of holding up and making decisions without anyone else in the room. And, yeah. and I know for me, men's work has been maybe the single most important thing in my life that has both kept me sane and helped me grow and develop. Mm-hmm. Um, but I sometimes get this question, like, why, why do you have to go like, absolutely it's a good be question. with other men? So yeah. I'm just curious how you answer it. Yeah. Yeah. So men historically, traditionally hold a lot. They, 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 they are constantly in, in modes of, of creating structures and, and outputting and meeting demands. Not that the feminine doesn't, this is not comparison. This is just talking about men, okay? And they need a space where they can leave all that outside of the circle. They can leave all that outside the circle and they can come into the circle at a minimum, not say a word and just feel like they are a part of something where no, there's no demand on them. This is their time and space, right? And they, men also in our society are stifled quite a bit, okay? They're stifled in, um, you know, I'll take, there's many ways I can take this conversation, but let's take it in, in the realm of expression of power. Because there has been so much abuse of power by men in the conscious collective of men, whether they've abused power or not, they are afraid of the expression of power because they equate it to abuse. So many men don't, they naturally, this power lives in them. This is an archetypal energy that you cannot extrapolate out of a man. You can't turn him into something he's not because we're dealing with hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, right? So the question is, how do men learn to work with this power? A, they have to learn that it's safe to express it in a container, right? So in, in, in practices that I bring to the table, men have an opportunity to be guided to places where they can open the door and freely express that power without worry that it's going to hurt somebody or it's going to damage somebody 
or they just get to feel what it feels like to turn it up. Just turn it up and let that really come out, right? A, this alleviates the non-expression of that energy because what happens when energy is not expressed, it moves into shadows. So now we're not getting men that are expressing that, sh that, that energy sideways, we'll say, right? So men start to begin to um, learn more about themselves and their range, right? You know, that's why King Warrior, um, King Warrior Magician Lover talks about, which I think most of the you know people probably listening. It's Robert Moore's book, King Warrior Magician Lover. That's right. Gillette and Moore wrote, uh, who are two Jungian psychologists, wrote this book about trying to articulate certain energies that are archetypal that uh, simply live within the, the male psyche, the male body. And their, um, their philosophy comes from Jung, who says, look, whatever you don't express, it's going to find another way of its expression. It will come out through shadows. And so these circles um, give men permission for full expression, first and foremost. And this expression really creates a deeper uh, understanding and a sense of self. And um, simultaneously, we work on deepening our capacity for larger and larger amounts of energy to even run through us. And what is energy but the feminine herself? Yeah. The expression of life itself. So what happens is naturally, uh, men begin to develop their nervous system and their capacity to um, be in right relationship to the feminine, which I personally believe every men's group, this should be one of the pillars that um, they focus on, how to be in balanced and right relationship to their counterparts. Yeah. I mean, this is such an important point. I just, you know, when we think about just the word masculinity, right, in our culture, if I say masculinity, what's the word that most people would then attach to it? Or what's the next word that comes to mind? And for most people in the culture, it's probably toxic, right? This idea of toxic masculinity is, is just like, it's just everywhere. And for very good reason, right? Like, as we've said, the, the sins of men have caused some of, you know, it's like the greatest harm of our planet. Uh, comes from this place of shadow masculinity and this mm -hmm. uh, power to dominate and control in a way that's completely disconnected. Um, you know, the question that I often sit with is like, what's the, you know, I think this is fundamentally what men's work is about. What's the healthy expression of masculine power and where is the line between that and harm and abuse, right? And I think that's like really a pretty fundamentally important question about like, Power is power. It moves through one's body mind no matter what. How it's used and how it expressed and how it impacts those around is a much different story, right? So I'm just curious for you, like how do you how do you work with or how do you relate to this this idea of like an unhealthy, toxic expression of masculine power versus the the healthy full force that the world is craving like it's not just like men need to express their power the world needs that and so 
yeah, just just curious your reflections about this mm -hmm. dynamic. Well, since 3500 BCE, which was the kind of the intro of patriarchy, the energy became more linear, right? The power was more linear. It was it was more about um, um, forward moving energy in in taking what you wanted. And prior to that, it was. Um, you know, the tradition was held by the indigenous, you know, prior to this, you know, we were found, we were in a matriarchal system where it was a circle. Power was moved in, in ways where community was, was more important um, than, you know, this, I will take what I want energy, right? So I think we have to come to terms with the fact that uh, there, power is not the issue. It is the wielding of power and taking responsibility for the power that we, that we wield. And I've heard you say, you know, you, you know, uh, um, you know, you, you said something to somebody that, that I was, I, we were, there's three of us in a conversation and you, you brought up this fact that, you know, the tail end of, of your power, I don't think, I'm not sure how you phrase it, but you said, you know, you wield more power than you're conscious of. Yeah, the karmic tale of your power is the karmic uh, tale of your power. Now, whether it's karmic or it's from this, like whatever it is, this consciousness and responsibility for yielding one's power is um, is incredibly important. It's not about not expressing the power because there was a time when men were fully in their power, and their relationship to the feminine was more uh, in balance and the way we held the feminine was in reverence and awe because we were more in tune and in touch with the natural world the more we became disconnected from the natural world the more unconscious we became about our intrinsic um, symbiotic relationship uh, it gave us more and more permission to move power in this linear self-serving way Right, colonialism. To show you an example of a dictatorships, you can see what's going on in Iran. Who's fighting? Who's leading the charge in that revolution right now? It's mm -hmm. the women. Mm -hmm. It's the women. Mm -hmm. It's the women. So this natural power, men, in my humble opinion, uh, have have lost this connection to themselves that intrinsically connects them to the natural world. When you are disconnected. You give you you will give yourself permission to be out of integrity in any relationship, and that relationship goes equally to uh, our feminine counterparts. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So this is, I mean, I think partly this is the this is the necessity of surrounding ourselves with other good men who can both give us support when we need it kind of love us up in a brotherly way, but also challenge us, right? Call us out on our shit, like take, take us to a deeper place where we, when we have blind spots and, you know, you and I have, <laughs> you and I have been in some men's circles together and, and have done that. And I just, you know, I think that for me, that is so necessary when as um, noble as we may believe ourselves to be, we all cast a shadow and leave a, leave a wake even when we don't want to. Right. And this is so. Yeah, many a times. I mean, you know, we, we, you know, when when we are, you know, when we are not grounded, when we, you know, the, the masculine 
does have certain gifts. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. the clarity of perception, you know, yeah. like we can like, there could be this, all this movement and storm and we can still see through and, and, and I can, if you're in it, right. If you're deep in it and something emotional that's overtaken you and you're distraught, well, you know, another man can help you stay, you know, not, <laughs> not burn your house down, you know, because you're so scared, whatever, you know, men have this incredible ability to be able to clearly communicate sharp, like, Hey man, your, your attention is way off right now. You're like, you're putting your attention where, you know, where all this stuff is happening. Try this. Right. So men give that to each other and we don't fucking mess around either. Right. We don't like, we don't like, we don't run around the conversation. We, we're like, like, hey, dude, that's fucked up. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really know what happens in women's circles. Maybe they have this and maybe they don't. I doubt they have that. Not, it's just different. Not that it's good <laughs> or bad. But I work with men and I, I work with men primarily and I work with women sometimes. Men are just a lot like, mm -hmm. like, you know, hey, Marco Polo check in. Men, 30 seconds. Women, it just takes a little longer, right? So men have this, men have this sharpness about them that I think other men appreciate. They're yeah. like, just fucking tell me, like, where am I off? One of the most beautiful expressions I've heard around this is like consciousness sharpens consciousness, right? This, this idea that like the blade, the, the Vajra blade of awareness that's cultivated through deep practice and deep embodiment, it will sharpen and, uh, bring to clarity the consciousness of another of another whether male female but just that masculine sense of cutting presence will call a depth out in the in those around you and so this this fundamentally is men's work for me right it's like consciousness sharpening consciousness i'm curious for you where does this come from this drive in you to to really hold men in a deep way help call out the best in men to be you know, at the feet of the great mother to be protectors of the divine feminine. Um, I'm just curious, like what, a little bit about your path, your journey about, you know, why is this your mission? Look, um, I was born into a, a broken family with uh, a father, God rest his soul, um, who was uh, incredibly loving, incredibly had a huge heart. and um was not present was was uh you know preoccupied with things that you know um really made him not available so my um my experience of life came through the prism of my mother and my i saw i saw my mother suffer tremendously at the hands of men First of all, emotionally for my father, um, her second marriage, physically violent, uh, you know, violence was uh, brought upon her. And that makes it, that leaves an imprint on a child. You know, I was, um, I was, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old when her second husband would physically beat her, you know, and I didn't have the strength to stand up to that. So that does something to a man, right? So not only did I have to uh, 
cut the cord with my mother so I could start to find my way of what it means to be a man without a template. But ultimately, I found men that I, that I was at, like, I wanted to be like, I'm like, I want to be like that guy. He seemed like, you know, I saw a man in my early twenties and, and my separation was really a brutal one from my mother. I, I used mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol. I got sober at the age of 23, 23. I met a guy, uh, his name was Elliot. And, um, I met him because he was going to talk to me about supporting me with, with the drug and alcohol problem that I was having at that time. And I met him at a, um, I met him at a Chili's and his daughter was the waitress. Okay. And the, first of all, the way he, the way, you know, the, the way he was sitting and resonating and who he was, was something I was not. I was pretentious. I was egotistical. I was so worried about what everybody else thought. And here's this guy who's just like a root, just sitting there with such depth and presence. And I was just this fly that was, couldn't sit still. And I sat next to him and his daughter worked there, came and took our order. And what they had, I did not have anything like that in my life. I did not have a a connection, a palpable relationship that was so beautiful. And I wanted what he had. So I started finding men that embodied that essence. And it put me on a path of looking of what was getting in my way of becoming that. That was the start, you know? So I I started um, learning what it meant to be a man, right? And ultimately, this fed a part of me that needed that father, right? So now, the, now my fathers are becoming these men that just universe is bringing into my field that are emulate that are that are emulating back to me what it means, what it looks like to be. So this was so cathartically healing for me because I was getting fed around these men, and then suddenly it was told to me that now you have to give it to other men, right? So, and then when I started supporting men at the age of 23, 24, it was like I was being fed both ways. I was being fed by these elders and I was, and as I was supporting other men, I was being fed. So there was this, there was this cathartic healing that was starting to take place on, you know, my first wound, like, I don't know, and I'll ask you this question in a second. But when I look back at my life, my first cut, the first wound that I can touch is the absence of my father, the presence, absence, the energetic presence of my father. He may have physically been there at times, but the emotional presence, the, the actual presence of my father. And this nutrient is missing. This nutrient is missing in this society. You know, our children don't need much. Our children, our, our physical presence and just simply being with them is half the, as half the work, right? So they fed this part of me and it put me, you know, on a path of understanding my father and then on 
healing that relationship. And men's work has been instrumental in that path. And of course, once the you know once that um, healing takes place, guess what's on the other side? Gifts. Yeah, absolutely. It's gifts that I now give to the people that come to my space. Yeah, there's a the quality, the textures, the kind of essence of brotherhood, of the love between two men, right? That are just brothers in a in a journey where sometimes you feel like you're in a foxhole together sometimes you feel like you're consciousness sharpening consciousness sometimes it's like the you know you can't even stand on your own feet out of your own pain or shame or fear and to have a brother there holding you up there's no other feeling like it really i mean it's a it's such a special presence and force and i think that you know for those that don't have it it's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning is like to, to make sure that any man that, that is reaching out, reaching their hand out for some help, that there's at least somebody there that can reach back. Yeah. Well, think about it. A lot, a lot of the men, you know, a lot of the men that come into my community have a masculine wound. They have a wound, Mm -hmm. right? And for them to even be willing to come into a space is them relearning what it means to trust the masculine so um when we're in partner practices i would venture to say almost every time i am saying you know i have them deep in it and at some point i'm saying this man doesn't want anything from you Mm -hmm. this man doesn't want anything from you you know because we're working on like opening a heart space and like you know Mm -hmm. really revealing and and i have to work on like deprogramming because the society, what does the society say? Competition. It's me or you. Who's going to win? He's going to take it. This is the guy that, you know, it's just like, it's not fostering this paradigm. Um, this, this other form of being. Right. Yeah. So men's groups, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. You ask about my wound around this, I have such a unique journey. So my father was super present, super loving. He invited me to my first men's group when I was, you know, in my early 20s, the Mankind Project. I've talked about it on the show before. You know, I think that that's, that's what I want more of, like this next generation, you know, this, this is part of my personal mission, right? Is to like, to keep passing that on so there's more men out there that don't have to go it alone, that don't have to be so isolated in their own pain that, you know, as fathers, as, as uncles, as just stewards of the great mother that, you know, we do as my father did, which is like, you know, make this a natural part of becoming a man. Fuck. What a world. What a world. And, but, but let me tell you something. It's happening. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I know many, many men who are doing really good work in creating uh, men's group communities. I, I, I supported them. I've seen them. I witnessed them. And, you know, my, my two cents on anyone listening here and maybe that's never been to a men's group, uh, you know, and we can talk about what it even, you know, what uh, men's work is if you want to, but there, you're going to find different flavors. And, and you want to go to, you know, listen, the flavor that I bring, I don't, I mean, I don't, it, it's very unique to, to 
my belief and the community and the community that is sprouted around us. It may be your jam. It may not be your jam. You know, my space gets, you know, gets shamanic. It, it gets kind of, you know, we, 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 we move in theta states. We, you know, there's like, that may not be your thing. That may not be your thing. You know, me, you know, me saying the great mother may not be everybody's, you know, some maybe more, you know, in, inclined to lean towards the masculine, you know, uh, you know, connection of divinities. And I, I, I was on that path for 25 years, you know, like it's only since 2018 that, you know, the great mother has come into my vernacular, you know, yeah. it, it, and I know what that means to me. You have to find your people. Right, exactly. So there's a lot of different types of men's work, right? There's, as you mentioned, there's a recovery men's group, like 12-step men's group. There is men's work around, really deeply around emotional healing. Like I think about the Mankind Project, it's very focused on, on kind of purpose and mission and emotional integration work. There's a lot of the work that you do, I know, is embodiment. You're, you're like a martial artist. You're, you're getting men into their body while still doing deep emotional work. This is a lot of the work I'm doing as well. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's work just around like even men's meditation group, men's yoga. I mean, there's a lot of different ways for men to gather to, in a way that consciousness is sharpening consciousness, where we're healing the wounds of the past, where we're showing up more full force for those around us. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of ways to do this. At, at the end of the day, what are we looking for? We're looking for a space where we can, where we can put our tools down for a minute where we can be seen, not, not seen like the personalities that we project out there, but really like without the masks, let ourselves be seen. A space where we feel safe enough to start sharing little by little of what's going on, being seen by other men, being supported by other men, and being held accountable by other men. This is a nutrient missing. Yeah. Right? It's missing. Yeah. So for those that are appreciating this particular part of the conversation, go back and listen to the episode I did with John Wineland, who's a colleague and friend of Amir and, and, and mine. Um, we, did, we talk a lot about this concept of energetic nutrition and the unmasking that men can do. So uh, go back and listen to that episode. Amir, if people want to find you, if, if uh, someone wants to attend your men's circles, how do they find you? Uh, well, a good good place to start would be to go to embodiedmasculine.com. And under offerings, you'll see a slew of different offerings that we bring to the table. Um, we have a drop-in uh, uh, circle that's been going on every week for the past three plus years. Uh, we have a really robust community. We meet um, weekly where we practice for about 75 minutes and, and then we turn off the recording of the practice and then we open the space for a circle where men put their voices and men come from all around the world for that uh it's really a powerful beautiful community and um that's uh that's available on a weekly yeah. basis and then if men want highly to deeper, recommend it by the way yeah highly recommend it it's just a wonderful place to practice with other men thank you yeah and then if, if, if men want to go deeper into you know four-month containers or, you know, retreats, workshops. Um, but embodiedmasculine.com would be a good place to start and maybe Instagram where I, I make some announcements. 
Yeah, give him a follow on Instagram. We'll throw those links in the show note. Also, I mentioned my Wild Hearts program, which is a rites of passage program for boys and their father figures, uh, 10 to 12-year-olds. We're doing an event coming up this spring in Northern California. We'll throw a link in the show notes for that. Uh, My dear friend, my brother, Amir Kaligi, thank you so much for joining today. It's my pleasure, Luke. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Crazy Wisdom. If you like what you heard, please do rate and review the show on whatever platform you listen. This helps new people find the show. Maybe more importantly, it helps us grow our Crazy Wisdom community. My hope for you is between now and the next time you listen, that you try one new thing, one thing that would help you live a life of deeper purpose, deeper meaning, a life of greater love. And maybe that one thing is a little different, a little odd, a little intense, perhaps even a little crazy. 